1: Hello, internet, and welcome back to the Engadget podcast. I'm senior editor Devendra Hardwar.
0: I'm reviews editor Sherlyn Lowe.
1: This week, we're going to be focusing on social media as the place where civil society is happening right now. Everything is tech. We're a lot of us are trapped at home. I'm sure many of you are watching the protests and everything happening in this country so we want to talk about the impact of social media and specifically how twitter and facebook are handling their responsibilities right now as the major channels of society things are pretty rough in america these days since last week there have been nightly protests against police violence and specifically how cops value black lives this was all sparked off by george floyd's murder in minneapolis but that's not the only story Obviously, there was Ahmad Arbery in Georgia who was gunned down by citizens. There was Brianna Taylor in Louisville, Kentucky, who was killed by cops in her own apartment. There's not much for us to say about all this as a tech podcast, but I do want to express support for everybody in the streets fighting for a more just world. They've also been joined by massive protests worldwide, which I think is the mm-hmm. single most heartening thing to see right now. So I just want to say. I support you all, especially if you're out there on the streets. Uh, If you can't be there in person, there's a lot you can do. You can donate to bail funds. You can promote black and brown voices on your own channels. Help fight against racism in your own communities. There are so many other ways we could be doing this. Whatever you do, stay safe. Sherlyn, did you want to say anything here?
0: I think your point about tech being where life is happening right now is even more true because social media and tech are just our window into the world as we're all mostly stuck at home, and has it's always been sort of a window into another world, but right now it's like our only way to view the world. Like, there's media, but yeah. there's social media, which is yeah. even more... I think relentless so it, it definitely is within our wheelhouse and for those people who don't want to go out and protest i get it i i have my own safety issues to consider too it's
1: hard to protest in the middle of a global pandemic exactly is the thing. like they're so oh man it's it's exactly. all this stuff is hitting us all at once so and i think yeah. for
0: people like you said donate i've done that but i think another thing we can all do is listen and mm-hmm. and and listen to people and what they're saying. So, yeah, there you go. I
1: will say uh, one writer who I really enjoy reading everything he writes is Charlie Warzel over at the mm-hmm. New York Times op ed section. And he wrote a great piece about basically this is the thing. This is the one thing we're all watching every night. Uh, yep. We must bear witness is the way he put it. And we're seeing so many videos of police violence. We're seeing videos of the protests. We're seeing real time communications, you know, live streams. We're seeing all this stuff all at once. Yep, It's hard to ignore it. Like yep. maybe we could in previous protests and th- there have been many protests over the last yep. few years, but it feels like we're at a point too, where everybody can stream easily. Everybody can share easily. And also, Maybe it has something to do, too, because of the fact that so many of us are at home. Mm-hmm. We're already used to being on social media every night. And now it's the thing. It's flooding all of our channels. It's not just one yep. or two activist friends who are sharing these things. It's everywhere. You can't yep. avoid it. But I think that's uh, that's an important thing. As always, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcaster of choice drop us a review anything is appreciated and we also have a new form for handling questions you find that whenever we post the these episodes or it's right there but you can also email us at podcast There's so many ways to get in touch please send us your questions your advice and your comments about everything happening right now So it's been a particularly crazy week for Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. and it's honestly hard to, Fathom how much has happened since last Tuesday. So, joining us today is Carissa Bell, senior editor in Gadget, focusing on social media. Carissa, how's it going?
2: Going well. Thanks for having me.
1: You have had a very busy week. Like, I, I just remember <laughs> when all these things started First happening. First of all, you were Carissa always
0: is busy, yeah. right? Like, the social media beat is like <laughs> not my, I do not envy your job. Like, <laughs> Yeah. But this week has been uh, extra, extra chaotic.
1: Yeah. Can we start from the beginning? Because I believe there was a, on May 26th, there was an internal report uh, from Facebook about how they were handling political division. And basically, the company was very aware that its platform was devices mm-hmm. and in general would, would promote the most like extreme views. But there was really a reticence to do much about that. Can you tell us what was going on there?
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy that you said this was on May 26th because it kind of, yeah. to me, feels like it was two months ago already. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so the Wall Street Journal published this really big story um, uh, about Facebook after the 2016 election. They had sort of undertaken this effort to kind of look at whether, you know, does Facebook actually make uh, things more divisive? Does it create mm-hmm. polarization you know, a lot of questions that were on people's minds, um, you know, after mm-hmm. Trump was elected. And uh, what the researchers found was that actually, yes, it does. Um, in a lot of ways, their own um, algorithms feed into this divisiveness in a lot of cases. Um, one example was in Facebook groups that, mm-hmm. they, that if you, you join groups and they actually will recommend groups that promote extremist content. Um, and so this was something that, you know, Facebook's uh, researchers who are working on this, I guess, were, were pretty worried about. Um, according to the wall street journal, you know, the stuff was eventually, some of it was, was brought to, uh, Zuckerberg and, you know, really kind of not a lot necessarily happened. I think some changes were maybe implemented, a lot of others were rejected. And then it kind of says that Zuckerberg basically just sort of lost interest in this idea. Um, and he's since kind of like walked back from, you know, talking about whether (laughs) this idea of whether or not Facebook is divisive, he's kind of decided that it's not, um, and has indicated he kind of wants to spend his time on, on other problems, let's say.
1: Despite their own research, I feel like this whole situation really, this is kind of the heart of everything, too, that also happened over the last week. Like, the way Mark Zuckerberg thinks about, I think, the value of the conversations on his platform and the way he weights certain things. um, I I would say, like, looking at Facebook anecdotally, I think we could all see, like, the platform would send you to more extreme things because... Listen, that's that's what Facebook wants, right? They want you to engage and sending you to the craziest spots, uh, talking to the craziest groups is probably the best way to do that. It is a shame that, yeah, they, they just did not think too much about the moral obligation of that. So what also happened on May 26th, Carissa? So
2: on that same day, um, Twitter took a new step it's never done before and that it added a, a small fact check to two of Trump's tweets. Um, and these were the tweets that I know there's been many tweets since then. Um, these mm-hmm. are the tweets that mm-hmm. were talking about uh, voter fraud with regards to mail-in ballots that said, uh, you know, they're substantially fraudulent. That um, basically in California, yeah. uh,
1: mailboxes and, will be
2: robbed, yeah, ballots uh, will be
1: forged, she, fire will fall from the yes. sky. Everybody can get a mail-in yeah. ballot no
2: matter who you are, how you got <laughs> to this country, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so Twitter did something they've never done before. They added a small fact check that said, get the facts about mail-in voting. Or mail-in ballots, rather, and then it linked to a Twitter moment that had some debunks from news organizations and had a few bullet points, you know, saying that it was, um, you know, what he said was incorrect and had a few basic facts about how mail-in ballots actually work.
0: Did that feel like a triumph? That kind of felt like it was Twitter's tongue-in-cheek way of going. Not even tongue-in-cheek. It was kind of just a way around, like, still keeping him on but kind of checking what he says uh, in tandem.
2: I mean, I think some people like their first reaction was to see it as a kind of triumph, um, especially because yeah. Facebook has refused to
0: yeah.
2: uh, do any kind of fact checking on his words. Um, Ex- yeah, And Twitter doesn't necessarily do a lot of fact checking in the same way that Facebook does. So I think a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of saw this as like some some big statement or something. But I think once you actually mm-hmm. kind of right. dig into what they said, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Really, as big of a deal as maybe it seemed like it was at the <laughs> time, you know, like it, the actual yeah. label didn't say this is wrong, like you could have read it to say that, you know, oh, I'm gonna get more yeah. information oh, about this voter fraud, so, you right? know, like
0: backing yeah. backing up what he said, right? 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 Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think, uh, was it Nicole, Nicole Lee at Engadget mm-hmm. wrote about how like this was just kind of a toothless move, yeah, by Twitter, but even because of it's that, it's better but than nothing, it's I guess. well, it, it's better than nothing, but also like even though it was it was just such a like a slap on the wrist like it was it was a nothing admonition Mm -hmm. against trump uh he did not take this too well
2: of course not and you know i think on another level it sort of it was i think for them it was maybe a little bit symbolic because they've also kind of given uh trump and you know many other politicians as well uh frankly like a lot of latitude in terms of of what they say Mm -hmm. so i think even you know adding that small label it was you know sort of symbolic step for them that like you know they are willing to go there and especially with regards to you know interfering with you know people's information about voting which uh twitter and facebook's uh are supposed to have policies uh strict policies about
0: yeah
1: and what was funny too is like even after that happened um what zuckerberg had a fox interview where he disagreed with the post warning that was may 28th that was just 2 days later which first of all a great place to go to talk about mm. how much you care about um yeah facts and everything zuck uh but then i feel like trump was the example of the you mad bro meme <laughs> because he he signed an executive order that would oh, potentially limit protections for social media companies um a most likely ineffective thing like it, it's kind of a useless slap on the wrist uh against everybody but man what what was up with that carissa
2: yeah um he he has talked about this um in the past you know this Mm. isn't the first time that trump has said that he wants to like rail in these social media companies and you know they've there's Mm. been this kind of thought um from him and others in his party that you know they're biased against him somehow and you know Mm. they're going to take some sort of action um (laughs) so this executive order from the reporting it sounds like was actually something you know they had kind of had floating around for for at least a year. Um, It wasn't necessarily new, I guess. But So he sent this executive order that basically it's trying to walk back some of the protections that these social media companies get under uh, what's known as Section 230 of the Communications Mm -hmm. Decency Act, which is uh, a 1996 law that's really foundational for the internet, basically says Mm -hmm. that internet companies cannot be liable for the content that their users post. And so Mm -hmm. this uh, executive order would basically kind of Asked the FCC, FTC, um, to see if they can try and put some limits on the, that protection. Um, a lot of experts say it's not really going to be enforceable, but you know, that was kind of his big sort of.
1: Yeah. Is it, it's basically like a memo to a committee to suggest something that likely will never happen. Right.
2: Yes. Um, he, Congress actually oversees, um, mm-hmm these uh, agencies not the executive branch for one um <laughs> a lot of le- uh, a lot of lawyers say ac- and experts on you know communications law in section 230 say that's not really going to be enforceable it's almost definitely gonna get challenged in court so i mean it's it, it seems fairly toothless on its face um, right, at the right. same time mm-hmm. it could still be a big headache for these companies you know if they have to go to court yeah. and, and litigate this especially smaller companies that you know might not have the resources of a, of a facebook or a google ironically
1: enough uh trump is one of i think the the most you know important people who benefits from section 230 right like his the way he treats twitter and facebook and other platforms like his ability to say so much of what he wants is protected by the thing he's trying to abolish man gotta love it gotta love this <laughs> yeah, guy it's
0: a bit of an own goal really
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: i love that analogy
1: He's so mad. He's so mad. The next day, Jesus. I think, was the the thing that really kicked off because mm-hmm. um, the the Black Lives Matters protests started the previous mm-hmm. day, and Trump uh, sent out a tweet that was basically instigating violence against mm-hmm. the protesters. What, yeah, what happened there, Carissa? Yeah, so
2: there was a, a late night tweet from Trump, as there as there often is. Basically, it was uh, appeared to threaten the protesters. And it said, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, which was a, a reference, a pretty troubling reference from the 1960s, um, has sort of a history of being associated with violence, um, especially right. racial violence. So at that point, that was up for a few hours before uh, Twitter then actually took the step that they hid the tweet behind this sort of interstitial um, mm-hmm. kind of notice that said this tweet violates our, our policy against glorification of violence but you know we're leaving this up because it's it's newsworthy so essentially what they're saying was you know this would break our rules we would take it down except it's from trump so we're leaving it up mm-hmm. but you know we disagree with this um and that basically yeah. you know set off a explosion <laughs> of yeah. just uh craziness and you know if you thought that the little tiny fact check uh it was a big deal. This was definitely was taking things a step further.
0: What do you guys think of this step, right? Like, it's yeah. It's not as toothless, but it's not... I, I don't know what you guys think, basically, right? I have my I own think, thoughts. I think it's a I better move. I think this move. is
1: the best... Yeah, I think this is the best way they could have done it, right? Because yeah. the... The notification around election, um you know, election fraud, fraud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so. It wasn't even like a bold warning color. It was just like a blue exclamation mark. It just mm. felt. It, it didn't feel as like a big warning. Whereas this is like, hey, it's like when you go to like, um, if you're if you're going to certain websites and like things, uh, things are kind of uh dangerous or Mm. violent or gross behind it. Mm. Uh, If anybody who used to visit rotten.com back in the day, (laughs) it's just like really, really gross things you see on the internet. This had that sort of veil like, oh man, there's something really bad behind here. And that may not mean much for Trump supporters, but I think it does, it says something about Twitter and how it manages the content on its own service. And that's also something um, our friend Mark Zuckerberg did not, choose to do because that same first of all, Twitter blocked that on the Trump account, and then they added it to the official White House account where the same block also happened, which is uh I'm sure like some some genius there thought like, oh, I got another account. You know, like when a troll gets blocked, they go to one of their (laughs) other accounts. It it just happens to be the official White House account. What a world we live in. Uh Mark Zuckerberg, our friend, chose not to do any of that blocking on Facebook. And he he gave a very long explanation. It, it, there was a lot going on here. Uh, any major takeaways from that, Chris, on your end?
2: Yeah. And, you know, the the weird thing is, so, you know, the, that same tweet was cross-posted on Facebook, as Trump does. Yeah. And mm-hmm. pretty much almost an entire day went by before we heard anything mm-hmm. from Facebook about it. You know, a lot of us were were asking, um, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as we saw it, you know, because Facebook also has rules against uh, glorifying violence. Um, you know, the rules are not that different from, from Twitter's in, in that regard. Yeah. And,
1: and they, they have blocked posts and removed things from some, like, really, really bad politicians in the past, but just mm-hmm. not Trump and not uh, Republicans, typically.
2: Yes. They did remove one ad of his once uh, about the census. Okay. But, yeah, so they – um, so we, they, we didn't hear anything for a very long time. And then Zuckerberg comes out with this long post and he basically says, you know, I know a lot of people are upset about this. And he said that he was uh, personally – you know, upset by it, and he thought it was, you know, ugly rhetoric and it was divisive and, and all that. Um, but he basically, you know, said what he's been saying. He thinks that Facebook needs to enable as much speech as possible. He said we looked very closely at that post and, you know, discussed whether it violated our policies against glorification of violence, and, you know, ultimately said that they didn't think it did. He said, although the post had a troubling historical reference, we decided to leave it up because the National Guard references meant we read it as a warning about state action and we think people need to know if the government is planning to deploy force. Our policy around incitement of violence allows discussion around state use of force, although I think today's situation raises important questions about what potential limits of that discussion should be. So he kind of did that thing that he does where he you know, says, well, <laughs> this doesn't break our rules. If it had broken our rules, we would have taken it down, you know. So right, he, he right. says that there is some hypothetical line Trump could cross, um, but this wasn't it. And then he also sort of criticized Twitter, saying that, you know, if they think it's, if Facebook thought it was wrong, then they would have not labeled it. They would have taken it down. So And
0: they're doing less than what Twitter has done. And they're like, no, no, no. Twitter hasn't been, hasn't done enough if they really thought it was a violation. Meanwhile, we don't, think it is a violation man this this you know you said that hypothetical limit thing um just now and that's totally true right and what zuck's also doing is like what i think a lot of people are doing which is like yeah um you know it doesn't really move the needle right now but you know it it forces us to think about what the potential limits should be and i'm just like you're this is such an empty answer like oh yeah we're going to think about it we're going to think about it as a a way to like to delay and try to distract everyone until they can forget about you and so you can pretend like it never happened i think
2: i mean we've seen facebook do this time and time again where they get flack for this and then they'll say you know well, we're uh-huh. we're rethinking our policies. We might change this at some point, you know. And they they kind of make these noises because they they sort of want credit for saying that they, you know, they're thinking about changing without actually act- mm-hmm. making a change or, or actually doing anything. So
1: after Zuckerberg, you know, announced this post, there was a tense call with employees. Uh, Recode had a transcription of that, and what really struck me about that whole conversation is that so many words it's really all just so many words of like zuckerberg excusing himself for not doing anything and it's shocking to me like how much of this like these major decisions i'm he's the ceo he's the guy in charge but so much of it com- just comes down to him in his judgment that's what I was, about what he thinks. and That's, uh, it's that's
0: kind of ridiculous. That's what I was thinking at the start, yeah. right? When we were just delving into this where Zuck said, like, you know, Zuck, they presented the research findings uh-huh. to Zuck and he just got disinterested. I was like, okay, th- this guy has too much power and wasn't there an oversight board, Carissa? Like... Didn't, didn't they just make a big deal about their oversight bo- mm-hmm, committee?
2: Mm-hmm. They did. And the oversight board sort of weighed on, in on this actually. And they said, well, mm-hmm. they didn't exactly. They commented on the situation, I should say. And that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they're just really not, they're not set up yet. They're like, we were just announced. Uh mm-hmm. Facebook said these people don't even have their laptops yet. They said that this is the kind of post that they would uh potentially weigh in right. on once they're set up. But they're not yeah. set up yet. And it's, you know, going to be some time before they're really have everything in place to start kind of making these decisions. And by the way, even once they are able to start, you know, officially weighing Weighing in, in. um, it's not going to be a quick process. You know, we're talking like 30 to 90 days or something like that. yeah. So I'm not exactly sure how how helpful they even would be in this situation.
1: It's it's funny. Facebook was the company of move fast and break things, but when it comes to actually fixing its platform, it's uh move slow and think things. <laughs> basically, like it's very it's very much the opposite of solving all of its problems. I think what's also really interesting too is that this points to like the major problem of just having a single point, a single person making these judgments yeah. too, right? Because it's like Zuckerberg does not have maybe the fullest life experience you know (laughs) this is a guy who founded this company when he was very young he Mm -hmm. got very you know this thing grew so quickly and i think time and time again he's proven that he's just not equipped to make like larger moral decisions so yeah when he reads it's like oh the the trump tweet he's like oh yeah it's just the national guard he's just talking about bringing the national guard somewhere whereas somebody with maybe a little more historical perspective. Somebody who maybe also uh, could be hurt. Somebody actually black or brown who could be hurt by this police violence um, would read that and be like, "You're he's threatening to kill me. This is not like a just like a right. you know a hypothetical. This is a very direct thing of what's happening." but zuck doesn't see it that way so facebook doesn't see it that way so it stays up and billions of people get to read it
0: and so that's the that's the thing right if he doesn't see it as that way the company therefore has to like yeah that's their stance and that's a problem because i know a lot of people like a lot of some close friends of mine actually work at facebook and you know at first when the whole pandemic started they were very grateful because the company was giving every single employee money to tie them through the lockdown so every single facebook employee I think, mm-hmm. got $1,000 to use however the hell they want it. Uh, similar to the way like Google gave a lot of their employees $1,000 stipend to set up work from home um, things now. But, you know, and, and that like made a lot of th- the friends that I know who work for Facebook, they were very grateful. And they were very much like, oh, you know, my boss really cares for me. And then meanwhile, this happened and now all their employees are pissed off as far as I can tell. Right, when, yep. like There were walkouts this, this week?
1: Well, flash forward to June 1st. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they so beginning of this week, Facebook employees staged a virtual walkout where they just signed out of uh, company services. Uh, it was the best they could do of walking out mm-hmm. during a pandemic. Seems like the the most vocal disruption we've ever seen from Facebook employees on my end.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, You know, it's a little, you know, with a virtual walkout and everyone being at home, I think it's a little bit hard to judge exactly sort of how how widespread this is. But um essentially, you know, employees uh didn't come to work. They in their out, out of office messages, they said, you know, that they were doing this as a show of support the protesters. Um, and then what we saw, which we don't normally see, is we saw many, many Facebook employees um publicly speaking out against the company, yeah, you know, saying they don't agree mm-hmm. with the decision, um, you know, that they're very upset by it, making, you know, these statements on social media which you know is sort of something that is pretty rare for you know facebook employees especially many facebook employees um and some fairly senior folks um you know saying that i disagree with mark on this and i want to change his mind and you know this isn't i'm not proud of this and i want to do something to to change the situation within facebook
0: do we think that this will change mark's mind (laughs) do we think
2: you know, it's an interesting question. <laughs> yeah. um, I think on one hand, he has he seems like he's sort of dug in on his position and mm-hmm. has said that, you know, he thinks he's right on this. He, he doesn't want to be arbiter of truth. Yeah. He thinks Facebook, Facebook should be on the side of more speech. You know, he talks about how he has concerns right. that once you chip away at a speech, it's very hard to get it back. And, you know, he makes many philosophical arguments about this. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he is going to change his mm-hmm. his opinion, how he feels yeah. about this. Um, at the same time, he yeah. is sort of making some noises, again, that, you know, Facebook might change something at some point. You know, Facebook is known to, you know, respond to uh, PR backlash that's ongoing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think there is a chance we could see them sort of tweak some of their rules yeah. or, yeah. you know, do something differently. But I don't think Zuckerberg, you know, at his core yeah. is actually going to change how he thinks about this stuff. I
1: think I will say this is not like this attitude is not entirely new, right? Since last year, uh, they decided not to fact check politician posts, so like there there's always been like a little special leeway for people like Trump and other politicians. But what was interesting on June second is that something we. Definitely don't see too often is Facebook employees were vocally resigning. There was one employee who posted, uh, you know, why he was leaving, I believe, Mm -hmm. an engineer uh, on LinkedIn that went viral. Mm -hmm. Um, A few other people followed, not like major, major people. But the fact that people are out there talking about this experience and saying, like, how much. They they just had to get away from Facebook and what they were doing. I think that that really says quite a lot, right? It
2: does. And then there was also I don't I don't know if you guys saw it. There was an open letter that was published in the New York Times just the yep. other day mm-hmm. from a group yeah. of former employees who you know some of these were pretty influential people there at Facebook in the early days. There was the first um, head of PR. There was the, one of the first uh, employees to ever kind of write their community standards, so somebody who was very mm. intimately familiar with Facebook's rules, how they work, how the company has historically enforced these things. And they basically said, you know, this isn't the Facebook we know. Like, it really pains us to come out here and, and criticize the company, but, you know, we really disagree with what they're doing. And the Facebook we know is all about giving users more free speech and giving users uh you know a voice and when you moderate in fact check users and you don't do that to politicians you know you're doing the opposite mm-hmm.
0: yeah i mean that would i mean <laughs> man like what a heavy topic right like it's 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 a lot to process It's a lot to think about but i mean the,
1: while all this was happening yeah. right facebook and twitter were still being used
0: by people amid
1: to, the protests mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. It was such an important platform right
0: they are, and I think that again we we made this point earlier, but like social media being our only window really into what's going on right now has mm-hmm. such a great impact. So with the with the protests taking place in real life on the streets, they also took to social media, and obviously there was, you know, hashtag Black Lives Matter, and then on Tuesday there was Blackout Tuesday, which by the way like s- has somewhat questionable there, there's like a roots, story but there's a whole story that. Yeah. That, yeah. that takes a bit of explaining and i don't know like how much you want to get into that but but after obviously after black lives matter started trending then like you know other things started trending as well like hashtag blue lives matter hashtag white lives matter and I think the funny thing that came out of it was it, it showed how easy it was to hijack these hashtag movements. Where <laughs> now if you go look at hashtag White Lives Matter, you'll see a lot of K pop gifs, which is great. And I say gifs, don't even come at oh me. Oh my
1: god. Um
0: but but yeah, you'll see a lot of K pop stands um trying to drown out the the hashtag, which is what kind of people were afraid would happen with Blackout Tuesday. Um but, but people found ways around that. It, it goes to show that, like, these platforms are huge. And these platforms mm-hmm, have a huge way of affecting the discourse around these issues. I mean, Carissa, you cover these. I mean, these are probably the two biggest, right? Like, I can't think of what else. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I think it, it was it was very powerful. And, you know, like, like you kind of said, I think a, a lot of people came down on a lot of different sides on, on how they feel about how, you know, exactly how these hashtags were being used or, or were not being Mm -hmm. used. Um, you know, but I think at the end of the day, it was like a pretty powerful show just in terms of, you know, seeing just how many people, you know, were taking part in these conversations. Um, and then, you know, just to, to go back to the the K-pop thing, my favorite, um, meme that I saw was, um, apparently they were trying to get, you know, uh, White out to to trend and then there so okay. the K pop stands were sharing um images of like white out like the correction fluid. <laughs> 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 and um Awesome. I, I just thought that was so funny. And
0: I think yeah, K-pop around the Tanzwells do not get they're it's hilarious and then around the time white lives matter was trending twitter categorized it under k-pop right like you have the trending column on the right white lives matter and then the little label saying why is k-pop And that was just quite funny um but so big big social media networks like twitter and facebook i think seem to be more careful about how they react but this week also a smaller network a smaller company i guess like snap uh did announce that it would no longer be promoting trump's account in their like content curation area. Do you think this is a more significant move, Carissa, than than what Twitter and Facebook have been doing?
2: So I actually do in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if I would say mm-hmm. it's more significant. Um but you yeah. know you say smaller. Snapchat has more daily users than Twitter does. Um yeah. they have yeah. that's true, yeah. They have a lot of users, they have a lot of young people. Um, Snapchat's mm-hmm. actually an extremely important platform for Donald Trump's campaign. They spend a ton of money there. They have a huge presence mm-hmm. You know, their channel is not not insignificant. They have they sell yeah, a lot of sure. merchandise. They have a team that makes a lot of content for it. Um, so what Snapchat has nationally announced was they are not blocking any of his posts or removing his content or anything like that, but they're taking his channel out of that For You section of Discover, which is kind yeah. of like that main Discover section, you know, that's algorithmically oh, yeah. sorted, where you see all the publishers and channels. So they're taking mm-hmm. him out of that entirely. So from now on, the only way people will find trump's content on snapchat is if they're subscribed to him already or if they actually search donald trump but he will not appear he will not get any more free promotion they called it by them
0: i I think that's fair and then obviously trump i'm pretty sure he got mad (laughs) even though i don't think he's on snap but as as like personally i don't think he understands right right or is on snap but he knows where his image is yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. there was um but he
2: there was a statement from his campaign manager, you know, about how this was, um, you know, really unfair. And I think they he called <laughs> it like... Um... Can, we, can
1: we just read this statement from Brad Parscale? <laughs> because I feel like it reads like an angry high school note, like when somebody is mean to you at high um, school. Yeah. Uh, here is the statement from Donald Trump's campaign manager. Snapchat is trying to rig the 2020 election, illegally using their corporate funding to promote Joe Biden. And suppress President Trump. Radical Snapchat CEO Evan Spiegel would rather promote extreme left-right videos and encourage their users to destroy America than share the positive words of unity, justice, and law and order from our president. Snapchat hates that so many of their users watch the president's content, (laughs) and so they are actively engaging in voter suppression. If you're a conservative, they do not want to hear from you. They do not want you to vote. They view you as a deplorable and they do not want you to exist on their platform this is insane
0: it incites this is an insane rage. statement wow wow, wow wow yeah it's it's wow, unhinged that's a lot I mean you put it really well when we first reacted to this statement uh Dev you said something like this is a high school kids, uh, not it's yeah. a playground statement right like it's an I don't want to be friends with you either Nia. and yeah 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 like, yeah yeah yeah
1: it's really just a step away from one v1b IRL fight me fight me bro come at me bro. Yeah. <laughs>
2: It also seems like kind of a misreading of Snapchat's audience, you know. Like this is sort of a statement that would play well on Fox News, but I don't know if like Snapchat kids really, you know, (laughs) care about uh,
1: radical Evans. Every line (laughs) of this thing, yeah.
0: So, so speaking of the Snapchat kids, Carissa, do you think that Donald Trump and his campaign have a presence on TikTok? Oh. And do you think TikTok will eventually have some kind of reaction <laughs> to all of this? Because I feel like TikTok is the up and coming and it's pretty huge.
2: Yeah. You know, I don't know if they have an official account, but, you know, as we get go look. as we get deeper into the election, though, I wouldn't. I mean, I would absolutely expect yeah. that the campaigns yeah. would try to do something there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how successful that will be or... <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I would say the, the one good thing I will say about the Donald Trump campaign is that they have been very good at leveraging social media and online tools and yeah. certainly in more in better ways than a lot of Democrats have. So, yeah, you can bet he will be on TikTok sending those like, yeah, oh my gosh. He, I want to see him jump in on the TikTok memes. Like, yeah. that's just what I want to see before this all blows over. That's what know? I think
0: he's good for is like <laughs> TikTok challenges.
1: Okay, so that was quite a journey, Carissa, and I expect like it's things aren't going to be slowing down. The protests are still happening, and social media is like as important as ever. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I am on every single night, just looking at the videos, looking at the posts from everybody, sharing what I can. Um, do you have any major takeaways, Carissa and Sherlyn? Like, do you guys have any major major takeaways from everything that's been happening just from one this one week, which feels like a month, which. You could have told me happened last year, yeah. and I would easily believe you.
0: Teresa, go ahead. I mean,
2: we're at a moment where you know we're seeing so many historically significant events kind of converge at one time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's these these huge pro- peaceful protests movement that's happening. Of course, we're in a pandemic. Uh, we see social media companies, you know, trying to actually sort of take a stand in terms of what yeah. their platforms can be used for. So.
1: But I did hear that uh, monkeys escaped with the coronavirus, which is a real thing. (laughs) So now there are loose monkeys with coronavirus out somewhere in the UK. So, yeah, everything's happening all at once. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So, you know, for me, it does feel like, you know, we are kind of at uh, an important moment where, you know, these companies are kind of they've tried to avoid for all of Trump's presidency, you know, to have to kind of make these choices Mm -hmm and weigh in on this because you know that's not really a position they want to be in at the end of the day Mm -hmm. um at the same time i think we're seeing like the urgency of our times you know of of a pandemic of you know this kind of really ugly troubling you know rhetoric you know violence against peaceful protesters i think is sort of putting them in a position where they can't really defend that anymore or it's becoming a lot harder to and also in these decisions that you know they've been trying to avoid making um you know are suddenly all happening at once so you know it does feel like you know we are kind of at a at a big turning point
0: which I think ultimately is is the takeaway and the good news out of this is that something's gonna something's gotta give and for me Mm -hmm. even like I I see the point in that like I even have had to think about Where I want to like whether I want to say something so called publicly on my social media about things like that because like I'm generally the sort of person that shies away from making too much of a statement because I'm worried about my like my status here, um and this week has just been so hard and it's been like I'm not like you Devendra like I I, Mm -hmm. you're able to like look at it nightly to be updated I can't because when I look at it it overwhelms me I feel very like I've cried so many times in the past week because of everything right because Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. pressure as to like I need to know what I want to say how like I know how I feel but do I need Mm -hmm. to say about how I feel and I think in the same way these companies are making similar decisions like in in a much grander and more important scale of course but like I, you know, social media being like at the core of this and, and and given the times we're in now, like everyone's been locked down. So everyone's attention cannot be distracted. Everyone's focused on what's going on right, right now. All over the world we're watching. And so there's more pressure than ever before to consider this. And I think that that's what we kind of needed because this has been years and years and years that it's been a problem. It's been decades. Mm-hmm. It's been so, so long a problem. And finally, that there is some traction behind this. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's become time for companies to actually do something. Like, I finally decided yeah. to say something. And I think that companies need to. It's, it's never, yeah. like, just do it. You for know? sure.
1: And th- this is something I've mentioned before. Is like, these companies, all these companies, all tech companies, like, were built on the idea of getting as big as possible, of gaining as many users, of gaining their influence. And these companies, they did it. They Mm -hmm. they made it happen. And now I think they really need to reflect on the responsibility of what they have, you know, of what they've built as platforms like this is where everything is happening. You can't just be neutral. You can't you like I I think you need a little more historical perspective to really judge what's happening on your own platform. So, Carissa, thank you so much for joining us. We hope to chat with you again soon.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. So with all the protests that are going on, it happens to be very timely uh, that this week Google actually... Rolled out new personal safety features to all the Pixel phones there are. And so I thought it was a good mm-hmm. week to remind everyone what tech is available to you to protect yourself uh, in case of emergency, no matter what the emergency is, right? So, uh, I mean, let's like what Google did was basically make its personal safety app, which used to only be available on Pixel 4s, now available to all Pixels. So Pixel 3, 2, and 1. Uh, and it also added a new safety check feature where you can set up a time for the app to check in on you later. So say you know you're going out to protest or you're going out to uh, on a solo hike uh, and you, you might want someone to check in on you but you don't want to like necessarily right. ask a friend to call you after,
2: uh, the <laughs> app
0: can do it for you. And within the app you can set up things like emergency contacts. So for example, for me, you know, maybe Devendra and I, maybe I'm like, oh gosh, I'm going to this protest, I know Devendra, you know, is my emergency contact, uh, put his name and number in, and then you set the time you want the app to check in on you. And if you don't respond on your phone at that point, the app will send a message that you pre um, type to Davindra saying, hey, this person is last known, GPS location was this, um, you know, they haven't responded to our safety check-in, do something. So I think that that's like... It's something that a lot of us have already been doing. Just yeah. as I don't know about you, you know what I mean. But this is automating it. This is kind of making it slightly easier for you to have on hand. Uh, obviously, the safety app also allows you to enter things like your medical information, just so emergency responders can have it when they need it, um, and you can allow them to have access to it. So for me, like I have drug allergies, I really need, like, if I'm unconscious, I need someone to know that they can't inject me with a certain drug. Right. Right. Uh, that's the sort of thing that this provides i mean have you ever used something like that dev
1: um not specifically i mean i think i have this set up on my mm-hmm. on the iphone right now like there's an apple yeah. equivalent um there are so many things uh, yeah. that people could be doing to stay safe as they're going out to protest yep. right now the Honestly, the best bit of advice I've heard is write a number down on your arm. Yes. Because if you end (laughs) up getting arrested, you will lose your phone. You need to have somebody to call. So there are many kit guides all over the place. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I mean, if you happen to have devices on which you can already enable like one-click SOS outreach, I think that's mm -hmm. also important in the case of um, you fall. And again, not to make make this sound like a joke, but if you fall in and you can't get up, there is this, like, on a lot of wearable smartwatches these days, especially the Apple Watch, actually, you can do a one-press SOS uh, call. I think Wear OS devices also have mm-hmm. this. So definitely look, at, uh, look it up on your device, how to enable them. You want to enable them when you're safe so that when you're in right. trouble, then you don't have to think about it. You just do it um, to save yourself. I rather we all like at least have this backup plan rather than go into a situation blind and be like, Oh crap. Well, how do I, how do I send a (laughs) message to my friends now? Definitely write down a phone number of someone you trust or someone who knows how to reach people for you on, on your body, on your person. Uh, One thing I'd done before in the past where like I've lost my phone is I like had to log into an app on my friend's phone just be like, Oh, uh, get to Twitter. That's how I can reach my friends or something. It's, Yeah, it's not as easy as like having a phone number down somewhere that you can call, definitely. You've probably also seen lists circulating on Twitter, Instagram, on like a checklist of things to do before you go out to protest. And these typically include things like disable face ID, disable touch ID. Uh, And the reason you need to do this is because just in case you're, you know, in a situation where you're be- being told you have to unlock your phone, mm-hmm. um, the person coercing you into this can't just put your finger on the sensor or right, just hold your right. phone up to your face. Which to unlock we it.
1: there have been examples of cops yes. doing this. So you exactly. want just your passcode, as exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: and and something that they can't force you to say. So you just want to be just protect your data. In that case, you're protecting your data and you're protecting access to your your devices, which is. Mm-hmm basically your life right so well, let me ask you twice. this Sherlin. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: in a case like this do you think you're would you be better off with an iPhone than an Android device
0: wow wow yeah wow. I gotta ask <laughs> I think I've been impressed by the uh what I've seen which is like it looks like there's a, a sort of macro people have been using to mm-hmm. enable a very quick um series of actions to be taken uh on iPhones I think it's just I have triple T Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it looks like it seems to be i pretty iPhone specifics. So that's the only case where I think that maybe iPhones have that advantage. <laughs>
1: well, also, and also, Apple being very privacy conscious yes. and doing a lot of work locally. Um. Yeah. Um. I'd be interested to see. Uh, we don't know this, but uh-huh. we do know that Android phones specifically are you know sending a lot of data out to Google. That is how traffic you know signaling works. Right, that's how right. all the stuff is detected for Google Maps. I don't know what cops could be doing with that, but that it doesn't make me as, yeah, it makes me a little more worried that there's this platform out there like Android, which is also historically a little more insecure than iOS. Um, Honestly, the ideal thing is do not, do not take a device with you or take a dumb phone, take a dumb phone, take a burner. If you have a dumb phone, if you have an
0: old phone that you've left at home for a long time, take that one uh, and and put your SIM card in it to activate service or something. Um, but I think the on the front end, on the device side, Android and iPhones are fairly similar in, in terms of how they unlock. Uh, mm. I don't know about face unlock, because there's not a lot of Android phones that really use that level of unlocking <sighs> yet. Um, but a there lot of the There were some. News...
1: It, it didn't go so well. But yeah, yeah,
0: let's not talk about the Samsungs or the one. <laughs> They're not <laughs> the same level. Um, but I will say the back end is a little different. And the back end is where I'm not as familiar. So like whether or not mm-hmm. Google giving like law enforcement access to this information. This sounds
1: like something that needs to be dug into. Definitely. Mm. Definitely.
0: We're, 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 we're (laughs) going to, we're going to either look into it or if someone listens and wants to look into it, Hey, do it.
1: All right. So Sherlyn, what are you working on this week?
0: Man, so I'm working on a lot as usual, and usually at this time, I think we're all planning like our CES plans, which is like,
1: oh, well, uh, partially CES plans. Let me just say, uh, I got the <laughs> Instagram flashback from four years oh, ago. Oh no! And four years ago, you were in. Taiwan. Taipei, yeah. eating a giant yeah. mango, you know, eating the giant mango uh, shaved ice thing, which I love. This is our privilege as reporters who get yeah. to travel around the world.
0: This time of year, we're typically, like, gorging ourselves in Taipei because we're there to cover Computex, that, like, trade show that happens in Taiwan every year. And it's, like, the the easiest way for me to kind of get access to all my home food, like, food from home. <laughs> without and, like, actually
1: seeing your family. Without actually going yeah. home
0: to Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> um, without having to be surrounded by the people, I don't want to be surrounded mm. by maybe. Um, but I mean, so this what I've been doing this week is like subconsciously. I didn't even realize it, but subconsciously, I've just been like looking up like a lot of Asian food recipes and like I've been staring at pictures of mooncakes. Yeah, your body, really your body
1: me. remembers. Like my body, this like is when yeah, I get yeah, my recharge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: But speaking of Computex, this this week we also saw the CTA announced that it's planning to go on ahead with CES 2021 as an in-person The, the CTA event.
1: is the organization behind yeah, CES. You don't usually hear about that. The Consumer yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. They're the ones that organize CES every year and they've announced that, yeah, CES 2021 in person. <laughs> Hell uh, yeah. yeah. Hell good good yeah. luck with that.
1: Good <laughs> luck with that, buddy. Oh, man. I
0: I... I you know, it just looking at pictures from CES 2020 now, the pictures of the show floor, of the crowds, I get right. the heebie-jeebies. I was just... that,
1: that, that was probably the last major event with a ton of people yeah. all in one place before the pandemic Well, the Samsung
0: really hit. event, I think, was also right, another right. one in San Francisco. But it not also as big. S-
1: That's not as not big. Not as
0: big at all. Yeah, definitely yeah. not nearly as big. So, man. And also, we've already seen the news that, like, the people with COVID <laughs> were there. People so I, ha- have, I have to
1: ask you, I have to ask you, Shirlin, what will it take for you to go back to CES? Uh,
0: PPE for myself. Just um, PPE and not
1: a, not and... a vaccine, not like more, you know, I mean, I, a vaccine yeah. that
0: works. Yes. Even then I would want to be protected because oh, everyone gets definitely. sick at CES every yeah. year. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone it, gets even...
1: sick, but now it's like literally the pandemic, yeah. pandemic we have to worry about. And I, I don't know. Also, was it IFA, which happens mm-hmm. in Berlin uh, at this point, is it's still inviting going people. Seems like it's yeah. still going on in person.
0: What they're doing is they're making it an invite-only event to keep it small, <laughs> so like maybe 200 okay. plus people only. Yeah. For, please for, don't
1: invite me, please.
0: For the physical. I mean, I don't want to travel internationally, yet. it's too soon. Too soon, um, yeah. And for them, it seems like they're inviting people who are more like in the regions it, I guess, I guess, Uh I don't know. It still feels like it's a little (laughs) premature. And like, why? Why do you feel like your show must go on? I guess because your people must make money, but...
1: It's a a lot of things. I'm also noticing, like, in my, even in my neighborhood, which is, by the way, the hardest hit community in New York City, which is Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. hardest hit city in the world world. uh, when it comes to the pandemic, people are out there without masks and without protection. So... Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are just ready to move on and yep. <laughs> pandemic yep. be damned. I'm just, yep. it makes me very, very sad. So yep. anyway, be, be on CS. What's going on, Sherlyn? So
0: actual work that I've been doing, and yeah. I know I've been teasing this for weeks, <laughs> but uh, that re- embargoed review of mine went up last week for the Galaxy Tab S6 Lite. Wait, um... <laughs> wait.
1: That's all? That's all you were Stop teasing? It.
0: Stop it. Yes. I was just saying that I can't talk about, but the thing is, the thing is. <laughs> A lot of uh-huh. people love our like Samsung Android tablet coverage sure. because very few companies actually make very good Android tablets anymore and people still mm-hmm. want those things.
1: They're the only company making good Android tablets, yeah. like that's the thing. But mainly I have a I have a Galaxy Tab S2 still sitting mm. around from a couple years ago. Last I forever. keep it around. It lasts forever and also it has a beautiful OLED screen and that's yes. something Samsung was doing from the beginning with 100%. the the tab, you know, system. That alone makes it 100%. great, even though Android sucks as a tablet operating system, right?
0: It's it's yeah, it's not the best OS. Like so, <laughs> so I'm sorry, I need to laugh about this. You need to
1: laugh about it. I mean, I've <laughs> argued about Windows as a bad tablet platform, but at least Windows like built in some shit for tablets. Android does not.
0: Let me let me tell you why Android is a shitty OS for
1: for <laughs> oh, tablets. Okay, wow. The I tables was, have turned.
0: I was happy about it until like I opened Instagram. And tried to like, and I was holding the phone, uh, the tablet in landscape mode. Okay. I was holding the device in landscape mode. I opened Instagram uh-huh. while in landscape mode. It opens up in landscape yeah, mode. And Is it like a
1: tiny square wait, in your no, screen? No, no, It takes yeah. a full
0: screen, but it opens up the, and then it flips to portrait and then stays there, <laughs> refusing to flip back to landscape, oh, even though I man. keep rotating the device back and forth. And it's like the, the OS can handle the the landscape orientation because when I first opened it it was landscape yeah and it flips T- to, to, to be fair portrait.
1: to be fair Instagram just sucks on tablets like there yes, is no iPad support yeah. uh to run it on an iPad you're basically running the iPhone app it's mm-hmm. it's ridiculous but you know Facebook is a small company and they have really limited resources yeah, I, yeah, and exactly. they can only do so much Sherlyn um, <laughs> Anyhow, you know but. Yeah, looking at the Instagram tablet problems, by the way, I just want to throw a shout out to Sarah Fryer's book on Instagram, No Filter, because she dives into the conflict between Zuckerberg and the Instagram oh, you know, yeah, founders. And like the reason why Instagram has been so like starved for resources and so many things is because... Zuckerberg was basically jealous. So that's something. And that really goes into everything we've been talking about Zuckerberg recently.
0: Back to the Galaxy Tab S6 Lite really quick. Um, you mentioned the OLED screen is the best thing about their tablets. Sadly, this thing uses a TFT display, but it still looks no! nice. I know. What? I was kind of bummed. I was like, You Wait, had one job. Yeah. Your only thing is good displays that are oh, like o- AMOLED displays. And well, I will say the TFT displays still look nice. Just Is that it a it's-
1: QLED at least?
0: no oh come on no so so that's sad a battery life is really long on the thing but like yeah it 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 needs better i think that the display could be brighter for one thing and colors are good like angles are fine the blacks are not as deep for sure like you it's a tfd i know but it is a lot cheaper it comes with an s pen included so i still like that um Mm -hmm. and it's very really fast so you will enjoy that but yeah and then the other thing that I reviewed this week, uh, the an embargo, was a Timex smartwatch. But you wouldn't know it was a Timex <laughs> if you didn't look at the watch logo, because okay, it was completely running Amazed Fit technology. So I don't know if you guys have heard of the brand Amazed Fit, but they make these no. really really cheap smartwatches. that you see all over Andru- uh, all over Amazon? And, uh, yeah, I was very confused because at some point in setting up the watch, you have to, like, grant permissions to the app, to Timex. <laughs> and everywhere there was Huawei, which is a company that owns Amazur, there was Huawei branding. Even the mm. app's API was, like, com, And I was like, all right, who am I granting right, access right. That to? That should be so,
1: clearer if you're buying a Timex device and you're, yeah, yeah granting yeah. permissions. Did they... Were they, there instructions in the box? Were there any things that no, said? No, hey, so that's wow. the thing.
0: It's so I was I was honestly kind of pissed off because the whole time there was no wording or indication that Timex had timed up with Huawei to make Mm -hmm. this device but everywhere I saw the logo and then when I asked the company they refused to reply before the embargo they kept delaying they were like oh we're still working on an answer for you and then after the article published where I pointed out how bad it was that they didn't say a thing they replied a really lengthy email (laughs) going oh yeah sorry we didn't get you the thing sooner we're totally and then we're committed to this and I'm like it's and then they were like can you can we send you another unit that's and you
1: know why by the way I can see precise Why this company did this is because I think being even partnered with a Chinese company right now is not a good look. They're scared and they're hiding it like, wow, tech companies don't hide things because we will find out it's our job and it makes you look worse. It's, wow.
0: it's like, no, look, a lot of big companies do this, right? A lot of big companies partner yeah. with white label yeah. manufacturers to do things. It's yeah. fine. The problem here is that you're hiding it. And also, AmazeFit itself is a big enough brand. Like, I know of the brand. And, right, and
1: right.
0: it's confusing to your users. <laughs> so you're not being very responsible by, like, hiding this information. And Timex, like, I expect it better, I guess, for right, some reason. Right. So... So, yeah, I mean, I think they, they have heard what I've said, and they seem to be, like, more open about it now, and I hope that they'll improve in in what they actually sell to people come June 10th when the device goes on sale, but yeah. Anyhow, Dev, what are you yeah. working on?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm still reviewing the ZenBook Duo that Ooh. I talked about last week. It's fine. It's, it's a very Aww. nice dual-screen computer. It is... Maybe a little heavier than I expected, but uh, it's not as big as the Pro Duo I reviewed last year, so maybe what's it's the, the more...
0: What's the battery life like?
1: Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's fine, but mm-hmm. I haven't done my full battery life test. Uh, mm-hmm. It's fine. Working on that, working on some back-to-school guides um, for us. I know we mm-hmm. all are doing that, oh, God, so yeah. I'm specifically thinking about gaming laptops and things I could recommend to students, so mm-hmm. that's basically been my week. Uh, a lot of interviews, a lot of different things happening right now. We don't have any picks in mind this week uh, because there there is so much happening. And I think the thing we should all be doing is take a look, like go bear witness to everything happening right now with these protests, with the vast amount of change that's being asked for worldwide. Participate, engage. Please listen, read. Right now, yes. Take time
0: to yourself and process too. I, I would say that. And that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at
1: At Devendra on Twitter, which um, I'm still sticking around on, so you can always find me there. And I podcast about movies and TV at the slash filmcast at slash film.com. Again, we just reviewed Tom Popo. So if you want like a bit of goodness and kindness and fun and joy in your heart as a slight escape from everything else that's happening please check out that
0: If you want other sort of goodness, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter, and I try to post nice things on my feed, so check it out. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcastandengadget.com, and for even faster access to us, you can contact us through the Google form on the page that this podcast is on. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to us on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify.